We don't see your video right now because I'm not sure what's going on, but we can hear you okay. I so. see him. I see Pierre. Oh, you can see him? I can't see him. So do I, but he's fuzzy. Oh, there he is. He's, he's like back. Big, nope. He's like Bigfoot. No one has better Wi-Fi than me, boys. <laughs> <laughs> you're so proud of your Wi-Fi. Yeah, your video is always the grainiest. It's funny, though. When, when you live in the city, like getting good Wi-Fi, I don't know. I'm the same, Pierre. Like on my new house, I'm like, nope, not me. Can't be me. What's going on, folks? Welcome to Got You Back, NHL edition. Pierre Lebrun, Mike Johnson standing by the NHL season at long last is finally underway. How about Connor Bedard's debut? We're going to bat that around a little bit. What stood out to you? Definitely some great moments uh, at the very beginning point of what should be a great career for Connor Bedard. We're going to chat about that. Now, the fellows will make some cup predictions as well. How about Carolina Hurricanes head coach Rod Brindamore? FanDuel has them at number two as far as Stanley Cup favorites go. What does Brindamore have to say about those expectations? Uh, Hank. Hurricanes head coach joined Pierre and I. Got your back. NHL edition brought to you by Kuma Outdoor Gear. They've got a wide range of gear to fit all those outdoor needs. Tents and sleeping bags, travel games, pet products, drinkware. And are they ever fired up about that switchback heated chair? It's the first heated chair powered by Bluetooth technology. Yes, you can preheat the chair before you go outside and it's getting to be that time of year. So to find a retailer near you, go online, kumaoutdoorgear.com. Experience luxury outdoors with Kuma Outdoor Gear. Mike Johnson at NHL Studios and uh, Pierre Lebrun from his home post. Mike, you have to tell us about, about your green room. It's yeah, well, the mic room. It's, 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 I think it's a blue room with a wall behind me. But yes, I'm down at the NHL Network Studios. And it's a big room, as you mentioned. Way too big for just me. So... Uh, we all have our clothes in here, and it is a uh, show us yeah, the suits. Mike, yeah, that's, that's Mike Johnson. Yeah, a lot that's, of a lot of sort of plain blues and grays. Hey, not a lot of flare happening there. Well, okay, I leave them here, so like I can't have fancy flared suit because I got to wear them over and over and over. Right, it's a problem. I got Mike Kelly here, and then over here I got Mike Rupp. So apparently, <laughs> if your name is Mike, you get put in this little cubby hole, and we all operate here at uh, at together. The all Mike zone. Yeah. Open mic night. We have some sort of like, you know, sponsored element into our into our office here. I mean, it's yeah, not Pierre and the Hartford Whalers, but it'll have to do for today. Pierre, <laughs> how are you doing, buddy? What's going on with you? You're sitting quiet I'm so all right. far. Yeah. The opener tonight here in Toronto for the Leafs and the Habs. I shall be there. So that'll be good. All good, man. Nice. Uh, so Connor Bedard made his uh, NHL debut last night. Not sure if you guys heard or not. Not like it was wall-to-wall <laughs> coverage all across the NHL spectrum last night, uh, but rightfully so. And as we get to our breakdown, I think that's the place where we have to start. It was an interesting night. Stats line, 21-29. One assist, a second assist, but a nice one. 11 shot attempts, five shots, went two for 11 in the face-off circle. Johnny, to me, this was kind of to be expected, right? Some really nice moments, some flashes of brilliance, that intention to shoot the puck, and then some young stuff. Got knocked around on his ass a little bit, turned some pucks over. Everything you would expect from a teenager stepping into this game. Honestly, Shaggy, if you were to say, write a sample stat line for his first game, like, it, like, you would have put something exactly what he did. One, stands out 21 and a half minutes. Like, that is a 
boatload of ice time. We talked about the opportunity for him to play a lot. He's going to get it. Two, you're talking about the shooter's mentality. Five shots, impressive. 11 attempts, even more impressive. Like He's got it on his stick. He's got it in areas where he's trying to shoot, and he is not deferring or hesitating. That's impressive. Two and nine on the faceoffs, also very predictable. I mean, he's going up against a team with some veteran guys. You think about Malkin, Crosby, Lars Eller. Like, these are guys who have been around, and faceoffs are the one thing that no matter how good you are when you get to the NHL, it's very difficult. You can be Crosby, you can be McDavid, you can be Matthews. It's hard to be good in faceoffs your first year, no matter how great you are. Um, so, yeah, it was all kind of predictable, Pierre. But I thought it was impressive because he had the puck a lot. He had it in shooting spots a lot. I'm surprised he almost didn't score with some of the chances he had. And if he gets five shots and 400 on the year, he will score 40 goals because that's how good of a shooter he is. I thought it was a a, a very solid first game, um, you know, on a big, big stage. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I thought there was some symmetry to the fact that he lost a couple of face-offs to Sidney Crosby, who in his rookie year, we know the tale, worked on his face-offs after his rookie NHL season. So that's kind of neat. But there's one particular play that, you know, because I've wondered how would Conor Bedard's release translate at this stage? And I'm not counting NHL preseason. It's garbage. So this is his first real game. <laughs> and he comes in on a play. Ryan Graves has... Pretty good reach. Tall, lanky defenseman for Pittsburgh. And Graves' angle and stick is perfect for 99.9% of shooters in the NHL. And somehow, I don't know if you guys remember this, the mm-hmm. dart still puts the puck just in tight and gets a wicked wrist shot away that just misses the net. Mm-hmm. One of his 11 shot attempts. And I went, okay, so there you go. I mean, this is, this is what's going to distinguish him in many things. But I'm sure Ryan Graves went to the bench and grabbed the iPad and went, how did that shot get away? Because I did everything perfect on that play. That's Connor Bedard. And and that was the play that really caught my attention more than any other. Johnny, what'd you make of that? And I think that's gonna be part of the learning curve for Connor Bedard and for the rest of the league. Like you think you got him and understanding maybe when you don't have him, even if you think you do. Like that's gonna be guys trying to figure him out and him trying to figure guys out what works, what doesn't work. And Everyone will be making adjustments because, you know, I, I got him covered. I think I know what he does, but he will do something to counteract that. So, yeah, it's all part of the give and take. But he just, he looked comfortable with the puck. And that's not surprising at all. I like the fact they had him out there with a couple minutes left defending a one-goal lead, too. Empty net. Figure it out. Yeah, well, for sure. <laughs> but still, you're defending a lead. And uh, I thought it was interesting that they had him out there. And I think uh, ended up in a defensive zone situation. And um, But those are good experiences. He needs to feel the weight of those things, Pierre. And by the way, and, and you talk about, you know, when the Blackhawks brought in Nick Foligno and Corey Perry, I think some people were like, okay. you know, And you understood what Kyle Davidson was doing, the GM, that he wanted – Connor Bedard surrounded by the, the right kind of experience. And MJ, you've been on some teams, I'm sure, over the years when you played, where if you have the wrong kind of experience and it's a long season, that can go the other way. And, mm. and what I loved, the exuberance on opening night of Perry and Foligno combining on the empty net goal, um, you know, just the kind of leadership I think those two guys are going to provide to Connor Bedard and and to the rest of that team, because they're going to be some long nights for that team, clearly. But some great I, stuff. It, it's amazing what you saw opening night from those two vets, honestly. 
Yeah, sorry to interrupt you, P. With some great sort of happening surrounding the game from being escorted in security, that insane looking scrum earlier in the day. Uh, separate room looking like What's that? Yeah. Connor Bedard had to be taken to a separate room for his I know. post-practice scrum. And then like, did he forget his stick? Was What was he doing in the hallway going out on the ice for his, <laughs> his rookie lap? And he's like, I'm missing something. He goes scrambling back and grabs the stick. Now he said he didn't forget it, but I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. It looked like he was a little uh, late to it. And um, so, yeah, like a lot of memorable moments for sure, Pierre. And that warm up clip will live forever because it'll be the last one you ever see with him without a bucket on. Uh, yeah. yeah. What'd you make of that, Pierre? That had to get the league's attention a little bit. Hey, like what's going on here? Yeah. Sorry, kid. You're not grandfathered <laughs> in. You're a big deal, but you're not grandfathered in on the, uh, on the bucket rule. Apparently, you get the first two laps in the song's bucket, and that's okay. And then you got to get over to the bench and put it on when everybody else gets out there. Although, to be fair, if I ran a team, I'd want everyone to wear a helmet and warm up as well. It's for uh, sure, you're, right? You're far more likely to get hit in the head with a puck in warm up than you are during the game. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I think I said he was two for 11 in the faceoff circle. He was two and. Uh, 11 so 11. two for so two for 13 yeah i'm not sure if you guys saw the intermission piece that uh that sports that did but it had colby armstrong with bedard and mcdavid and they had friendly little competitions going on between them and they had a face-off competition and bedard won the best of seven face-off competition between he and sid and it was funny because right before they started <laughs> bedard kind of looked at him and went like are we like going hard here? Are we like trying? Yeah, are we trying? What are we doing? <laughs> we're like, what are we doing here? And he got the word like, no, no, go for it. So Sid lost. And MJ, I'm guessing, I mean, it's all fun and who cares. But I don't that think was you the like second week of that. September in Henderson, Nevada. Let's be clear. That's when you that know what? Safe. I'm gonna go. Sid's playing chess. He's laying the groundwork. Kid's gonna <laughs> think he has night? a chance. He's like, oh, I got him on the power movie. Like, no, you do not. Absolutely Could he have beaten him cleaner? Could he have beaten him cleaner? The and, opening face-off, but yeah. Dart didn't even get his stick on the ice. He was nowhere near <laughs> the puck. It was like, hang on. You're not in Regina anymore, kid. This is let's hear from uh, Let's hear from Connor Bedard uh, talking right after the game here. What are you going to remember most about tonight? Well, uh, the winning, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I think I remember uh, Polino said in the room, it's like, you know, a couple guys playing there first. Let's uh, make it even more memorable. And, um, yeah, I thought everyone you know, played a really good game, and it was a lot of fun to be a part of that win. And but in the end, you know, it's a long season, so we got to keep that going. Just looking back, going into that face-off circle with Sidney Crosby, what was going through your mind? Try to win it, and I failed miserably. But uh, no, it was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> and I failed miserably. He's honest. I love the fact that he didn't even hesitate. What will you remember? Like the win. And that's the way this this kid is wired, right? It's not about him. It, it's about them. That was Emily Kaplan from ESPN, by the way, on the interview. Yeah, um, he, he's polished. I mean, like, part of his story this year will be how he deals with the amount of attention he's going to get. Mm-hmm. He's the, the next big thing in the NHL in a massive market that there is a gaping hole for a star to play in. And so you've gotten a sense, if you've ever listened to him, been around him, he's been the center of attention since he's been 12, I guess. But um, yeah, not surprising he answered that way, Pierre, but th- that is... I think that maturity will set him up well to have a chance to be as successful as he can be this year. Yeah, and good to get the season, you know, his first ever game out of the way. The home opener will also be a big deal in terms of the attention with him. But I think eventually he'll be able to get into somewhat of a routine. And, uh, you know, he has his his own uh, PR person with the Blackhawks, by the way, separate from the, you know, 
what all the other players sure had. he's not taking any heat for that yeah. private PR well, guy I, with I mean, two days in the league <laughs> you know what the penguins did with crosby years ago yeah um, i know you know so they're gonna start handling uh his minutes off the ice if you will in terms of uh media requests and, and so on it'll get into a better routine for him where he can just focus on on the on the games now we should quickly have a comment on the penguins because i think mj and i have have shared a brain on this and I, and I don't want to be captain negative. First of all, I never want to bet against Sidney Crosby, but I've been a bit puzzled by how many people I've actually picked the penguins as a dark horse Stanley cup team this year. Mm -hmm. And I know it's only one night and they could win eight of the next 10, but the same concerns I have about that team didn't change during the off season, despite adding Eric Carlson and changing who the GM was. This is an aging core. And I think they could make the playoffs, but I think they're going to be in a fight to the end to make it. And I just think this is who they are right now. And because they do have Crosby and Malkin and Latang and Carlson, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But last night, sometimes on opening night, you try to do the big picture thing as a journalist. Some of the same concerns, man. I'm sorry. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the, the Chicago had like 85 attempts, like, like, like a ton, a yeah. ton of activity and, Pittsburgh zone. So that'll be something that Mike Sullivan will be concerned with. The, I think why everyone gets fallen in love with Pittsburgh is that you remember how great all the players are. And if they ever all play at their greatest, that is an impressive collection of talent. The likelihood of that happening, the likelihood of them all staying healthy. All right. Not as good. I don't, I don't have them in the playoffs. So I'm not one of those people that are there you go. dark horse Stanley cupping them, but um, yeah, it's hard to ever bet against it for sure. Wrapping up the game last night, uh, let's rate Connor Bedard's debut performance, gentlemen. Out of 10, I'm going to give him an 8. Had he scored a goal, would have been a 10. That's how much value I would have put on him scoring a goal mm -hmm. in his debut. Two full points I took away for not scoring a goal, but 8 out of 10 for me. Johnny? Based on expectations, 7.5. You know, like he's supposed, it's not like I'm, it's not like it's my first game. Like he's supposed to be really good, and he was good. <laughs> Uh, but he wasn't dominant. He wasn't perfect. And so I give him seven and a half, and he probably would give himself less than that. Mm -mm. Yeah, I'll give him a seven out of ten just because because he's in that oh. same breed. Because he's in that same breed as Crosby and McDavid are hopes to be, and, and we hope to see that too. Those guys are harder than themselves than we are on them. And so to MJ's point, if Connor Bedard was on the show with us right now he'd probably rank it a bit lower than what the two of you said, again, based on his own expectations. But I tell you what, the book's already out on him. You notice on the power plays that they had, I think it was Nolan Chari, they had someone already taken away a shot. It's his first <laughs> ever power play in his NHL career. And, I mean, he's, he's got no ice to play with on their first ever power play. And I was like, you know, they know who you are, kid. Yeah. Healthy dose of uh, respect. Quizmaster, by the way, had him at 8.5. So Quizmaster was the easiest marker of all of us. This is, we're pretty tough teachers here, guys, but I like it. Um, okay, so there were two stories happening yesterday on day one of the NHL season. One of them was fantastic, the hype around Connor Bedard. The other one, somehow... Somehow the NHL saw its way to have, and I know this is about memos leaking and this and that, but listen, the NHL can control this stuff. They know stories are going to get out. Somehow the story about pride tape being banned uh, for pregame warm-up um, ends up 
dropping basically the day before the season starts and is a major narrative the day of the season. So the timing of this uh, brutal for the National Hockey League, but more importantly, the story in itself. Um, recently, Pierre, they made the decision on the theme jerseys and not allowing those to be part of warmups and, and these nights. And then further clarification over the following months, crescendos into pride tape being completely banned from warm-up altogether. And to me, this is just uh, the NHL stepping completely in the wrong direction. I don't think you should force anybody to do anything. And I think you need to be really careful about that. But to forbid them on the game's biggest stage from expressing support uh, for any causes that that are meaningful, um, I think is a really bad look and a step in the wrong direction. Pierre? Yeah, I think it's ridiculous. It's a total overreach. And you know, I, listen, I obviously took the time to talk to someone from the league about this. I mean, I wanted to understand where they came from on this. To your point, by the way, because they had to know this would eventually get out. They should have just come out at the Board of Governors last week when we were there covering it and, and got this over with. And yeah, it would have been just as brutal in terms of the reaction, but at least it would have been last week, the last week of preseason and not on opening night. But anyway, that's a PR thing. Um, so the background here is that the league, when they talked about this, this stems back to the Board of Governors' decision in June to to ban the uh, the warm up jerseys uh, for Pride Night and, and other events and other uh, you know cause nights. Um, and then teams were confused by that decision and kept communicating with the league in the last month, saying, "Well, what about this? What about that?" Because by the way, all thirty two NHL teams are planning a Pride Night this year, and some teams are really hoping to lean in hard and say, well, we're going to make it even better despite, you know, not being able to have the jerseys and so on. So they kept asking the league questions and saying, what about this? What about that? And finally, the league sent out yet another memo last week, clarifying really precisely the do's and don'ts. And one of them is, you know, nothing on your equipment or your stick or anything that, that supports, you know, what's happening that night on these nights. And obviously that meant no pride date. And I just think it's, it's, it's overstepping in, in a terrible way because Pride Tape was introduced six years ago. And one of the things I like about it is that, to your point, it's not like every player felt he had, he had to put Pride Tape on his stick. I love mm. the way that it became a thing that some players organically just wanted to do. And and really, I think, became part of the hockey culture in a good way, not in a forced way. And I think that touched a nerve yesterday, or I guess Sunday when the story first broke, but yesterday got, got uh, more attention. And it, I, I just think we're going to look back and say, what was the NHL thinking? Because now globally, it feels like the NHL has really gone backwards, you know, on pride and, and the kind of message that it sends about wanting to be an inclusive league and in sport. That is not at all how it feels right now. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it, it, it seems like it's an easy decision that they went, they got wrong. I don't think like mm-hmm. that was going to bother anyone. And the same right that we support for players to not participate in sure. things that they're not comfortable in for whatever reason yeah. is the same right I want to give players to participate in things if they are comfortable in. And this is something that is unique to them. It's not sort of distracting. Uh, and, and so um, if it's a little gesture the players could make, on a pride night where there are no pride jerseys and, and like, you know, I, we won't go all the way down the road of like, there were some the, you know, Russian players feeling legitimately concerned, legitimately concerned about wearing those jerseys in home and everything safety and all the rest of it. We're not going to go down that road, but like, 
if it's a pride night and a guy wants to put some tape on, there is absolutely no harm. No one's going to get criticized. Like maybe as a player, I support clearly pride mm-hmm. night, but I have a routine in my game. I don't want to put different color tape on for warm up because I'm, I'm getting ready for the game. No one's going to have a problem with it. It seems like it, it may, it's making a bigger mess than ha- letting the guys do what they want. Other yeah. thing. And I'm a little surprised. I, I, I don't know, Pierre, maybe you can help me with this. I guess the league can mandate this. There's no conversation with the players association. Well, Bill Daly was quoted, uh, I think, by Salem from our Calgary Bureau yep. uh, yesterday saying that um, the PA had signed off on it. That's not quite what I heard on background from the PA. The PA was certainly informed of it, mm-hmm. but it was a Board of Governors decision and the league was just going ahead with it. So there's two different versions right now of how this came into effect. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting eventually when Marty Wall speaks to this because his own background, uh, before from his own political background, you know, he's been a staunch defender. Um, so, you know, we'll see how this plays out, especially if some players behind the scenes complain to the PA about this and ask questions. What would but, happen, Pierre? Well, if, so if, I was going to Connor McDavid said, you know what? Pride night, I'm putting tape on. What are you going to do to right. me? What happens? So there's nothing. I've read parts of the memo, and, and there's nothing in there that speaks to the penalties. And, and hmm. I think that the league is taking a wait and see on yeah. exactly what it would do if someone – cross the line and, and decide to still put bright tape on, which by the way, I hope happens. Um, I should mention, I kind of buried the, buried an important part of the story, which was why the league ultimately made this decision uh, again, which I completely disagree with. But part of their thinking was that the same way the jerseys had become kind of a media spotlight thing, you know, who's wearing the Jersey, who's not, they thought the media would hone in on who's got pride tape on or not. Mm-hmm. Which again, I, I think is that's never been a point of focus before. I don't know why it would be now. Yeah, and and I and I should point out, it's not only a ban in warm up for Pride Night; it's a ban in, even in practices. Because yeah. sometimes you'd see the odd picture of a guy yeah, taping his stick up with Pride tape at practice on a Tuesday morning just because he felt like it. Also banned, mm-hmm. complete ban. Well, like, what if somebody wanted to wear pink tape, green tape, orange? Well, right? what if a prominent alumni in an organization were to pass away and the guys wanted to wear the number on the back of the helmet you know what about what about little things like that like where is the line and what what about you know we we you know pierre and i are in toronto every game they honor a military member during a commercial timeout it's not on the broadcast but people in the building and can you still do that and if you can and again i'm not saying don't i'm just saying like you know why pick and choose it seems like even though it's not like can you wear camo tape I don't, I don't know the no. rules of all these things. It just, it just no, seems I, like I, they didn't have to go down this road because it wouldn't have been an issue. Yeah. No, if you read the memo, they don't want players with any kind of theme and uh, anything on their equipment or sticks or jerseys, nothing. Um, you know. Um, and again, I, I, what the league will tell you is that they've strongly inter- encouraged their clubs to continue with their Pride Night plans and, and to have Pride Night. Yeah. And, and, and they will go on in 32 markets, but you know, again, uh, just the message that this sends, uh, you know, is uh, honestly, it's it's devastating. A couple of definitive comments in the media yesterday as players across the league were asked about this. Uh, Connor McDavid was asked in Edmonton. Rasmus Anderson was asked in Calgary. McDavid first and then Anderson. You know, whether that's pride tape or pink tape or, or, or anything, um, you know, I've, it's some, like I said, it's always something that I've enjoyed in terms of a league standpoint. Um 
you know, um, is it something that uh, that I'd like to see put back into place one day? Uh, certainly. Um, you know, but that's not the way it is right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sucks. Uh, you know, it's something that's close to my heart and something I would love to support. But, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, we got to find other ways to support it. And, and um, you know, I think uh, I can't, I don't know when the rule when they came out, but, uh, you know, we got to find other ways to support it. And, uh, you know, it sucks because it's something that's close to my heart. So McDavid saying, would he like to see it go back the way it was before? Yes. The one thing I'll say here, Pierre, is that, and again, we were kind of going through this for the first time as media when you had players who were setting themselves aside and not wanting to take part in these things. And, you know, players who did this, and I think back to Provorov and even some other guys, not necessarily just Russian players, um, you know, they took a pretty good beating in the media when it happened. And, and perhaps rightfully so, depending on where you come out on this. But what I would say is if, if we do get back to a day where these things are happening again, I think maybe, I don't know if you want to call it a lesson, but I think maybe the focus becomes less on the guys who are sitting it out, more on all those who are celebrating, because now that it's not there, it's really unfortunate. And I think yeah. the next time, if this is going to be allowed again and players choose not to, I think we note it. I think there can be some commentary on it. But I really do feel like the bulk of it needs to be on the positive parts of it because that's mm. 99.5% of it. So maybe there's yeah. a bit of a thought process in there for the media too if this ever comes around and goes the other way. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And, and you know, the last thing I'll say is that the interesting thing is the, part of the league's thinking in, in banning the pride tape is to remove potential focus on the players who didn't want to, do, who didn't want to use pride tape. But yeah, what they're protecting now, the downside, right? They're protecting right, the players and, of the downside, not focusing on the upside. And But what it's done now is that now we're going to be on the lookout. Is any player willing to risk a, a fine or, or whatever the penalty is? To mm-hmm. So now the onus is on the players who already have their heart in the right place. Now there's more mm-hmm. pressure on these players. Are you going to defy the league and, and put the pride tape on? And in some ways, that's unfair to those players. I mean... Not unfair in the sense that, hey, if you're a true ally, you should be hopefully, you know, perhaps willing to do this. But I just mean suddenly the focus is on guys who are already doing the right thing. And now that right has been taken away from them, if that makes any sense. Good conversation, guys. Uh, Much appreciated. Okay, we're going to move on because the Edmonton Oilers are opening up their season tonight against the Vancouver Canucks. And we have to talk a little Connor McDavid expectations for the season uh, we'll blitz through this a little quicker, guys. Uh, yep. I asked you for predictions on point totals from McDavid, goal totals. Let's get to those first, Johnny. What do you got? Okay, he's at 8.50 for his career. He's not getting to 1,000 this year, Shoggy. He's going to be just short. <laughs> I'm giving him 54, 92, 146. He'll okay. be just shy of one, of 1,000 for his, for his career. But, I mean, crazy I, year. I got him. Art yep. Ross, but not, 100, not 150 or 170. I got him at 55, 90, 145. So you and I are very close on our projections, Johnny. Wow. Pierre? I didn't think of one. So uh, <laughs> you I, didn't uh, do your homework. You got to pay attention thing, to your text messages. No, I know I was driving when you sent that. But the thing I would say, though, <laughs> is that I think Connor McDavid, this will be the year where he's the most disinterested in his point total. Like, when I sat down with him at, in Henderson, Nevada, and other other media, him and Leon Dreisaitl, I got to tell you, he sounded exactly like Nathan McKinnon and Gabriel Landeskog did the year before they won the Cup, mm-hmm. which is to say, stop talking to me about 
heart trophies and points and not interested. Not interested. The laser eye focus right now on McDavid and Dreisaitl is so reminiscent to me of what I think really? could happen here. So I did an interview with McDavid the day he was named, given the honor of being number one on TSN's top 50. I'm not sure if you guys heard it or not, but I got into a conversation with him about his, his skill sets versus Leon Dreisaitl's. I've got some of that interview here. The entire thing is available on tsn.ca. So here's McDavid talking about his skills and dry sidles. I'll play a little game you're going to hate. <laughs> sure. Let's talk about the skills between the two of you. Okay. You had to swap skills with them in a couple of areas, yeah. right? So if yeah. I were to say to you, you could have Leon dry sidles puck protection, but you got to give him your lateral mobility. Are you doing that deal? Uh, that's not a deal I'd make. No, my skating <laughs> is my, uh, is, is my, my bread and butter. It's, uh, um, it's something that, um, you know, opens up, makes a lot of different plays available to me. Uh, I would definitely take Leo's passing though and his vision. That is something that uh, that I would. That was going to be take. my next one. Like you, okay. like his backhand passing yep. for. I don't know what's a fair trade there. I would take his uh, his backhand passing for maybe my my wrist shot. He's got a great one timer. Yeah, He's got a great one timer. Um, scores goals kind of on the back end or one timer, kind of uh, more you know, kind of pushes the puck where, you know, I'm a little bit more of a, a wrist shot, I would say. So I, I would take, uh, I would take that, that trade for sure. And safe to say you wouldn't trade top speeds with him for anything. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't trade top speeds with, with anybody in the league. But. I wouldn't trade top speeds with anybody in the league. Love that comment from Connor McDavid, but Johnny, there's no way dry saddles doing that deal. His passing for McDavid's wrist shot. That's a not bad deal. Not for his wrist shot. I give it for your hands. I'll give you, you can do your passing for my, for, yeah, I'll give you my passing. If you give me your skating like that, but I, no. it's amazing. That was a good, that was a great little exercise there because Connor clearly understands what makes him special. And he's like, I'm not trading my skating for anything, for anyone. Oh because goodness. that's what allows him to do what he does. So like, it doesn't matter if you can pass better if you can't skate the way he skates. So yeah, that was well done. And if I'm Connor, I wouldn't trade your skating for anyone either. That, that would be the same. I, I thought there was a little hesitance too in some of the answers, which I think is born out of, I love this guy so much. I don't want to say the wrong thing because I've never been asked this before. You know what I mean? Like he was honest though. Of, I love the fact that I he didn't know? take it's the a deal. Great question. Yeah, but it, it shows you how much it mattered to McDavid to answer that right. question right, even though it's just for fun because of the mutual respect those two guys have for each other. Okay, we had the uh, Connor McDavid point projections. Let's do Austin Matthews. Pierre, I know you don't have your homework done, so you can go last. Start thinking about it, uh, Johnny. Where do you got Austin Matthews coming in? Points, 53 goals, mm -hmm. 45 assists, 98 mm -hmm. points. Oh, you don't give him 100 points this year. Healthy, eh? Yeah. That's Interesting. Right. That's I right. got him 56, 48, 104. So you're all over me because you gave him five more points. Like somehow oh, that I, is I the point I pushed him over the 100 point well, mark. You really I mean, think that Austin Matthews, if he's at 98, isn't going to find a way to get two extra points to get to the... Mitch Marner didn't points? do it last year. He had 99. So did Jack no, Hughes. So yeah, I don't want to hear about that. And listen, we're in the same margin of error. So I think we're about the same. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but it's a concept. 100 points or not, yeah. you're saying no. No, that's the headline. Johnny says Matthew's under 100 points. He's Pierre? Saying, because the Leafs are going to be so far ahead, he's going to rest the last two weeks. <laughs> well, he didn't get the whole point. You, you just beat me to it. I predict 59 goals for Austin Matthews. Ooh. Ooh. And he doesn't so not get 60. <laughs> 
He doesn't get to play the last game of the year because the Leafs are 14 guys. points ahead in the Atlantic. And it's wise to sit him out before their what are you, first Mike round Babcock playoff. coaching Mike Medano? What are you doing over there? <laughs> Come on. You can't do that. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, last prediction. All right, go ahead. Hold on. I have to finish. Yeah, have to, okay, have yeah, to sit him out the rest for his first round, for the Leafs' first round playoff series against Ontario rival Ottawa Senators. Oh, he put the Ooh. whole storybook on it. Okay. Wow, look at that. I like that. I everything ready uh, to go. Another, another prediction, Pierre, get thinking. Nylander, annual, average annual value on a new contract. MJ, I'm, I'm going to say 9.5. Just throw it right there. A little less than we think they're looking for, but right in that range. Nine, it's an easy, safe play. 9.7. Okay. Want to be cute? 9.788 because he wears it. I mean, like 9.7. Not going to get the Every 10. Every cap dollar matters, bud. You can't yeah, get cute you, with today's you, cap. No more extra <laughs> no, $59,000 a year from yeah. Roman Yossi. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Did we see that? Is Are the Tampa Bay Lightning going to be like $2 short of their cap limit? Like like literally $2? Crazy. Like, so, uh, yeah, 9.7 would be what I'd say. All right, Pierre, get off your phone. What's your prediction? Well, I was doing a calculator thing there. Um, cause the thing that I, that I keep going back to with Nylander is that the eighth year that he can get with Toronto will affect the total dollars compared to what he could do July 1st elsewhere on seven year deal. And hmm. so let's say there is 10 million a year out there in the open market, which there could very well be for a player this special, I think. So let's so say you want 70 million years. on the open market, which would be eight years at nine be 72 in Toronto. Is what he's trying to suggest, right. Shoggy. Is I think the math right. he's trying to work on that calculator. So, yeah. So I'm going to go <laughs> 9.4 million could get it done because that's still going to be more money in totality than he can right. get July 1st. We'll see. All right. Cup final predictions. I was torn. I wanted to go Edmonton, Toronto because I think it would be fun. And quite frankly, I'd be covering it. And as media, we often cheer for the travel. Mm -hmm. So I would way rather have Edmonton, Toronto than what I did pick, which was Edmonton, Carolina. Has nothing to do with us having Rod Brindamore on the podcast today. I just think that team is stacked right through it. And their blue line is fantastic. So I got the Oilers winning the cup, beating Carolina. Johnny? I don't even know what to say. I, I, I... I picked the same and I feel so dumb now that I have the same as you. I don't even know what to do with this. You picked the exact same thing? I picked, I picked, I picked Carolina beating Toronto in the conference final. I put Edmonton yeah. beating Dallas and I have Edmonton oh beating Carolina God. to win the cup. Like I, wow. I don't like this one. Terrible bit. travel. I'm going to have to Terrible revisit. I have to revisit my picks though. If I'm pairing up with you, I got to revisit the entire system. <laughs> Come on now. P. I actually you wrote a prediction said. piece. Uh, I actually wrote a prediction piece in the athletic Monday, which is Edmonton, rare Toronto, me. right? If I remember, I put it out there. Not, not only that I have Edmonton Toronto in my cup final, which obviously will be wrong because I picked it. I had Carolina Toronto and Dallas Edmonton as my conference finals. Okay. Like That's this troubling. is terrible. Yeah. This is this troubling. Is bad podcasting is what this is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have Ottawa and Arizona. Dark horses. Just kidding. There you go. Oh, I like it. There's our headline. Johnny I thought you were going to say board. Ottawa Arizona Cup final, and I was yeah. like, man, that's yeah. that's Mystic Mike uh, on steroids. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's not crazy. But by the way, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, I, but I had the Oilers winning the cup in Game Seven at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. Oh, so Connor McDavid <laughs> could just take the cup. Could just take the cup and go to his parents' place with it. That night, Just, you know, go, right up, right. Go, go right up to his own place in Aurora. Perfect. So yeah. you think the Leafs will have home ice advantage in that series too, huh? 
You're giving them so, a higher point total than the oil? I, I think I think the Atlantic with listen, Boston losing its heart and soul. The Bruins are obviously still very much a playoff team. Tampa starting without Vasilevsky, although I still have them in. Florida's got injuries on the back end. Yes, Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit gonna, you know, knock at the door, but I think the pathway for the Leafs to pile up the points in the Atlantic division is absolutely there. Pierre is saying more good teams in the Atlantic, more great teams in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Right. I like it. Well, we will not hold any of you accountable to these predictions okay. because Thanks. nobody ever does, uh, but lots of fun as always. Okay, before we go, we got to do a red card, yellow card, no card. Now, we don't have the ultimate arbiter today because uh, he's busy off doing Terry Ryan things. Uh, But I am going to be the ultimate arbiter today, gentlemen. I am going to be the one that drops the definitive word, and you guys can tell me what you think about my definitive word. I am issuing a red card today to the National Hockey League for last night's game between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Chicago Blackhawks. Sidney Crosby, Connor Bedard facing off. I would have opened those mics up. I would have let both teams know, hey, guys, I would have let Sid know, Bedard know. Mics are going to be hot for the opening face-off. Don't have to do anything, but just so you know, and I would have let nature happen. There might have been an amazing moment between those two. Who knows? Maybe Sid would have said, good luck, kid. Or maybe they would have said nothing and it would have been silence. Maybe Bedard would have lost a draw and gone, Mah! or something like that. I didn't like the fact they had the referee step in and mm. start talking. Stay quiet. That was the potential for a great moment. They trampled all over it. I get it. They've done it before, but they needed to stay quiet. Red card to the NHL for missing a potential great moment. Pierre? Yeah, I disagree. So I think I'm just going to give it uh, – no, I'm, I'm, I'm no card because, it, you know, Sidney Crosby and Connor Bedard, and we don't know as much about Connor Bedard yet from what we've seen. The last thing they want is to take center stage on TV in that moment. They just want the puck to be dropped. I, I bet you they wouldn't have said a word to each other. Maybe, but what Maybe. if they did? Well, that that soundbite would have gone down in history. That's why it's a yellow card. I mean, I get the idea. Welcome to the league, Connor. Have a great game from, from the referee. And, you know, he's just doing what he's supposed to be doing. But they missed the opportunity. It might have been nothing, but it might have been something. Something much better than the referee saying, hey, welcome to the league. Just have a good game. I'm with you. Yellow card. Uh, I don't know what we would have gotten, but maybe we got something. And maybe, I think your point is well made. Maybe we get something after the face-off that mm-hmm. is just instinctive. Off. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, whatever it might be, right? <laughs> and yeah. you guys forget. So, they may not want to be the show, but Pierre, guess what? They are the show. They are. And it is a show. So, let's put on a show. Yellow card. See, to me, the mic should have been on Corey Perry, but hey, that's me. I like that stuff. <laughs> he wasn't taking yeah. the opening face off. There no, should be I know. a separate Corey bench, Perry but, channel. Yeah. But he was on the bench, right. but that's where Corey Perry does his work, man, in terms of yeah. uh, the things. Oh, I hear it. There should be a I separate feed. If the NHL gets real serious about just pure entertainment, there should be a separate channel you can tune into that's all Corey Perry all the time, every game, mic'd up hot for there the entire go. thing. That was red card, yellow card, no card. I'm taking the win as the ultimate arbiter this week. (laughs) Great job, guys. Time now to get to our interview this week. I really appreciate Rod Brindamore taking some time to chat with us. Talked about the pressure the team is facing this upcoming year. Had a great Got Your Back story for us as well. So presented by Kuma Outdoor Gear, here is Rod Brindamore. 
Traded to the Carolina Hurricanes back in 99-2000 and basically has been there ever since. Ten years as a player, seven as an assistant, going on six as a head coach. Rod, think back to to when you first heard about that trade. If someone had said to you, yeah, this will be be like 23, 25 years, what would you have said? No chance. No chance. I I, I mean, the the change in here in in just – in general for hockey, but uh, for me, for sure. When I first got here, it was a big adjustment. I didn't even, no one even knew where the rink was when I first got here. I had to ask someone at the hotel I was staying at and they didn't know what the hurricanes were. They didn't know what the arena was called, anything. And I was like, what what have I got myself into? And then, you know, there wasn't a big interest, you know, fan wise. It was uh, very, very like, I didn't think this would be a place for me. And then, you know, it, it, it grew so quickly. I mean, the people here are great. And then the area is phenomenal. It's, it's, it's big, it's kind of like a hidden gem. And it, now the secret's out, right? Everybody's moving down here. It's, you know, it's getting a little crowded. <laughs> All of a sudden it's a little longer to get to the rink traffic, you know, so it, it's, it's been great though. We got great fans and the hurricanes are now, like you know, cemented in this community. So, um, it's uh, it's been a great transformation, and it's been great to to watch it all. How far into your stay did you realize? Oh yeah, this is good, and I, I want to make this home. Like, how long did you wait before you bought? <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't long. I'll be honest, and, 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 and a lot of it had to do with just like I said, the people and the organization and the team. Um, I got here right away. I didn't play well, and I just remember they they were very supportive. Like it was. You know, it was I, I needed to be better, and I knew it, but nobody let made me feel like I wasn't doing it. You know, if that makes sense. So I was like, man, that's that's interesting. And um, and then again, as I got to know people in the area and the community, and it was a great place to raise a family. And I could tell we had really good people in here, player wise. Like it was like good guys to be around, and um, that that was a, a big big thing for me. Well, it's funny, Ryan's first question about asking you 23 years ago about Carolina. Imagine asking you 12 years ago, by the way, you guys are going to host an outdoor game and fill the stadium. Exactly. Exactly. That was amazing. Um, we, we've had a real good run here <laughs> the last five years of just one thing after another that's just been real positive and um, again, I think we, we, when you have good people around and, and you know, you gotta, I, I gotta be honest, you know, Tom coming in and spending money on the players, make a fair fight. All of a sudden things just changed, you know, it just did. And, um, the expectations went up and everything else. So it's certainly, uh, it's been nice to be a part of it. Well, I was going to say it and, and you guys are knocking at the door, Rod, uh, uh, you know, some deep playoff runs here the last couple of years. Um, listen, there, there is no league or sport where, there's so many elite teams that are so close and, 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 you know, between health and injuries and luck and some randomness, you, you just want to have a shot every year as an elite team. And you guys have that after that, you know, let's find out again next spring, but what will it take? Do you think for this team to take that final step? Well, you're right. I, that's, what's great about the NHL is that every team I think really literally has a, a chance to win every year. Like even t- teams that count teams out, like, no, I'm telling you that the difference between top and bottom is it's real right. close and you know, you got to stay healthy at the end. I, I do know that. I, I don't, I'd like to see a team that won a Stanley cup that at the end didn't, wasn't like healthy because it, it that, that's the team that usually can do it. Cause you get down to the end, especially when you're down to the seven, eight, whatever last teams, 
I mean, the difference is that that that, that health, that player, and especially if it's a, a key player out of your lineup and they don't have that out, is that the difference? It, it probably. And if you just look at it, it's, you know, so I think that's a big deal. Obviously, staying healthy for any organization. Uh, but for us, especially over these last five years, we've, we've, we've always had a real key piece missing when we need it the most. I'm I'm sure you don't pay a ton of attention to the pundits out there, but I'll tell you the pundits out there. A lot of them are are picking Carolina to go a real long way this year. The feeling being, you have as good a chance as you have, you know, in any of the last few seasons. I wonder, Rod, that's what the pundits are saying. Is that what you feel in your gut too? That this collection of players has as good a chance as in your time as head coach here? Well, hundred percent. I mean, the, the, should we? We were we've been good for a while, and we really haven't changed the group. You know, we, we've done a great job of keeping that group together and and actually, I think, you know, getting a little better, like adding some pieces that are, are pretty pretty good players. <laughs> and um, So uh, it should make us a little better, but it, obviously it all has to come together and we know all that. Um, so we'll see. It's, like I said, there's so many good teams. I, I You know, literally I, I, I couldn't tell you, you know, none of us can tell you who's going to win, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if uh, anyone won this year, it's just that it's just how it goes. Um, but I love that we're in the in the conversation, right? We're we're basically what it is is you're saying we're relevant, and that's what you want to be as an organization. Now, Rod, it's opening week in the NHL, and uh, I go back to last month. I saw you at the GM meetings, well, GM and head coaches meeting, which was uh, pretty unique to have the coaches at the meeting in Chicago. And I know that part of the uh, part of the back and forth in that meeting from what I understand is that uh, the league wanted to have a direct conversation with coaches. How am I going to put this about maybe how they handle themselves <laughs> during games uh, in terms of certain calls and officiating. And listen, I, I think sometimes you wear your emotion on your sleeves, right, Rod? And, um, and you call it like it is. What's your, what's your sense of handling well, those situations? We're, we're, we're getting to a point where, you know, there's, there's a reason coaches get upset. <laughs> That's what I'll say. And, and very rarely, I, I mean, I'm not going to lose my mind if, if I'm, you know, if, I, if I'm not, there's a reason, you know. So right. they, and we're at a point now where I think we can actually keep pushing this issue and, you know, find out what is it that, why are we upset? Well, it's pretty obvious and we can correct these things. So if you get what I'm getting at, there's, there's, ways that we can improve i think our league and and you know uh, we have the best officials in the game it's impossible to officiate our game live it is impossible there's like none of these are oh i saw it i'm mad it's always i got this thing sitting beside me on the bench that i can that they're showing over and over and i'm like well that's not what happened you know what i mean so these are the reasons that coaches are getting upset so either take that away or use it to help those guys is kind of where i've been been at here for for a long time because if I don't have a second look at it, I'm not going to be upset about it because I wouldn't, I would never know live what these penalties are that, that you get upset about. So hopefully we can continue these conversations to get it past, oh, you're getting upset and to, well, how can we stop us from getting upset? And I think there's a, a there's definitely a way to do that. Yeah. And, and about picking your spots, I'm sure a little bit too. How does that compare to the relationship that you had with the referees as a player? Is it a lot different than it is well, now as a coach? No. We have a great relationship. That's the thing. We, we just had a preseason game in in in, 
I won't mention the ref because I don't, you know, don't want to sing him out, but we had a little back and forth and we're yelling and then he comes over and he goes, ah, oh, that was good. I said, yeah, it was good. Like they, they all, they control the game. Right. They know when you've crossed the line, they know. And the good ones always come over and say, okay, you had enough. And then you stop. Like, I mean, that's just how it is. So I think it's, it's actually healthy to have a good relationship like that. They know the game's emotional. They know that you have to have, play this game with passion. And I think you have to coach it with passion if, you know, to be successful. So I do think they also understand if you can get your team to, you know, have respect to the referees that one guy yelling at the refs or questioning them is better than 20 guys yelling at them. So there is, there is a sense of that too. So it, listen, it's a give and take. We understand there's going to be mistakes made. Um, and they also understand that we put a lot into this. Like we, you prepare for, you know, forever for a game and to have a, you also know that that one call that goes against you could cost you that 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 game so there is they understand that the investment into it and they're all great they are all they're great rod the perception certainly that we have from the outside looking in is that your players go through a wall for you and i think we're at an interesting time not just in hockey but in pro sports about coaches and athletes and and the times we live in and you know how to press the right buttons while still being respectful and having those relationships how do you where, where do you think you know, what works for you that you clearly have this bond with your players and obviously maybe the fact that you played or that you're the first guy in the gym, I don't know. But what's your sense of, of what has struck a chord for yeah. you guys? Well, you're 100% right. The times have changed. That's for sure. Um, no doubt about it. I think what, what for me is if you can just try to be as honest as you can, you know, you, you, that's an easy way to get through your day and try to have honest conversations with players. That That makes it easy. Um, but at the end of the day, I have, we have, you have to have the right group. And, you know, the players we have in here have to get that sometimes it, you, you got to have honest conversations. And, you know, I think it, it doesn't mean you always have to pat them on the back. Sometimes you got to, you know, do the other. And, and it's just having those respect and do it respectfully. But they understand we're all trying to be great here. And uh, I, I think being respectful at the end of the day, that's really all it is. And I think – Times have changed, but I don't think that'll ever change. There's a style of play that you guys have had success with. There's a relentless energy about it. You know, shooting from everywhere, just a real push uh, for pressure. What do you think new players coming into your system need to learn really fast in order to fit in properly? What's the Carolina system that guys got to wrap their heads around immediately? Uh, well, I mean, that's pretty obvious. It, it, it's We just want guys to get all they got <laughs> you know if you come in and you lay it out there game in game out then we we walk away with our head hell high you know so um that's the first thing and i think we we get a pretty good buy in there that way and it's it's style play it to be honest everyone's playing now but it's it's the way it's gone and uh i think it's uh, the guys enjoy playing that kind of hockey so that's how we do it. You come in here. I think everybody understands. You gotta, you gotta be willing to, to just lay it out there. Is it more of the same rod that gets you over the hump, or is there an area of the game that you're going to to put an extra focus on this season that maybe will help you cross a line you haven't crossed yet? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we that's I I, I wrestle with that every off season. You know, like okay, we're doing pretty good here on almost everything. <laughs> you know, like why do you want to? You know, and everyone seems to be kind of trying to adopt the way you're doing things. So why are you going to change? It's because 
you know, we, we didn't quite get over the hump. There's areas to get better at for sure. Um, and we, we will definitely, we're, we're focusing on that couple little tweaks and, and I'm going to watch those because if, it, if those couple little tweaks don't produce what we were getting, I'm going right back to what we were doing. You know <laughs> what I mean? So there, there's a little adjustments that you think might work, but a lot of times they just don't because it, it's for whatever reason. So we definitely have a couple little, I, I call them tweaks, but the overall game shouldn't change. Rod, a couple of years ago, when you signed your latest contract with the Hurricanes, I remember that there were some GMs that were like, oh, my God, is he really going to go to market? And they were pretty excited. And, uh, of course, you didn't because uh, Carolina is your home. You signed within two weeks of, of being a free agent. Um, you're among a little group of coaches, I think, with Lindy Ruff, Todd McClellan, and DJ Smith that is entering the final year of your deal here. Um, is that does that weigh on you at all? Or I have a feeling that it doesn't. But, yeah, uh, no, that's it. It's, I don't really know how to put it. It's, you know, yeah, I'd like to get it done if it's going to get done just because I don't want to have, you know, you, that's next guy asked me the same question and it's going to, the longer it goes on, everyone's going, what's going on here. So hopefully we get to it. I do know the priority and I talked to both Tom and Don about it was let's get our guys that we need to sign this summer. And that took a while. (laughs) And it was like, we got to make sure that, you know, we're getting Jordan Stahl back. You know, we're getting these, whoever, the list. And we didn't quite accomplish everything. We tried. So, uh, I, you know, now we're at a point where, I, you know, I'm sure I'll get a call here at some point and they'll, we'll try to work something out. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Your organization is known for being analytically driven in, in some of your decision-making processes. I wonder, Rod, how that maybe is implemented on the front lines with you as the head coach. I mean, you've got a, your opening game coming up here. What decisions do you make that are based in any way, shape, or form on analytics day-to-day as yeah. a head coach in the league? It's, it's, it's certainly a huge part of the game. I think all sports now. Um, I kind of look at it differently. I think the analytics, you, you've, you've been using them forever. It just it wasn't on paper. You know, like the analytics for me was, you know, whatever. If, if you know how to – most goals are scored five on five. Well, the rush goals or this. You don't have the exact number in your head. I can't tell you that, you know, 80% are scored on a rush. And that, but I know you want to create rush chances. And I know you want to create – you know, like – so that's – you kind of – you're just getting backed up information that you should already kind of have in your in your repertoire, if you will. Um we don't use it a lot on the day-to-day stuff. I think where our organization really uses it is on players from, you know, other organizations to identify mm-hmm. and then, you know, check out or whatever. That's where I think it comes into play. Um, and we have a real good department that's dialed in on all this stuff. Um, but as, as far as like what we do and what we use, I, I really, it's probably not that high. Um, but again, we are using it. It's just not, the way you would normally think of it. It feeds into my last question for you, Rod, is that after some big trades or signings that you guys have, have had in the last few years, I've noticed that Don Waddell has said at the news conference, you know, and I spoke to Rod and we thought this player would fit into what we do here. It's not every coach in the league that has that kind of back and forth with his GM in terms of roster decisions. I think your relationship is unique that way. Maybe can you speak to that? Well, that's why it's like, you know, you always look at this job and yeah, everyone, you know, there's a, there's a, a monetary value. Like, you know, you get paid this, but there's other things to it. Right. And, and, you know, I, I feel pretty lucky that I get those conversations. Like we, 
I'm involved in all of it. And so from Tom to Don, like when we're talking about decisions and the people we want to bring in here or people were, you know, maybe we got to move out. We're all in these conversations. So that's, uh, I don't know if it's unique. I don't really, you know, talk to other coaches about it, but uh, it's definitely a big plus. Well, Rod, we appreciate you joining us here on the podcast today. Uh, as you know, it's called Got Your Back because we love asking our guests that uh, for that story, a time in their life where somebody came through for them, where somebody had their back. I imagine you probably had a lot of guys' backs and there'd be a lot of Rod Brindamore stories out there. But when I put that question to you, what do you got for us? Who had well, Rod Brindamore's back? Yeah, so I, you presented it this morning and I, you know, I quickly thought about and it, a couple of things that just came to mind because one just happened. And it's with my coaching staff and how I get out there and we have a plan, a practice plan, and I actually stick the, the drills under my hat so I know. And I forgot the, the practice plan, it, it, you know, forgot to put it in my hat. And the other day, <laughs> so I'm out there and I'm, I kind of remember the order of the drills, but I'm totally messing them up. And Jeff Daniels is literally the – he's got my back on everything. And, you know, he's like, no, 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 it's the next one. It's this, it's that. So I'm like looking at him going, what are we doing next? I totally don't know. So – he, he was kind of teeing me up. So that, that was a real good got your back moment because I didn't want to look like I didn't know what I was doing out there. Um, so he, he's really good at having my back. And, and then I, I don't I, I want to mention this, but it's it's not really funny. It's actually not a funny story, but just having your back in general. And that's my father passed away this summer and my wife had my back on it on taking care of all the arrangements and things. And so when you first mentioned this, you know, who's got your back. That was just because I just couldn't, I didn't know what to do. You know, I, mm -hmm. I just, you know, you'd, I'd never been in that situation and it's just, it's very, you know, it was tough to just go, well, what's this, what do you do? Like I literally didn't know what to do and she took care of everything and for my mom and, and obviously for me. So I, that's a, that's a pretty good, uh, I got your back moment. Cause that, that's real life right there. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been through that too, man. It's a blur. And then you think about it after the fact and you're like, how did anything get done? And it's because right. of the other people in our lives that pick up those details while we're a train wreck, hey? Yep, yep. So that was, uh, that was a good one. Well, that's great, Rod. Thank you so much yep. for sharing and thanks for taking some time for us. Best of luck this season, man. We look forward to it. Okay, guys. Thank you. Take care. Thanks a lot, Rod. Appreciate it, man. And that'll wrap up the podcast. A big thanks to our title sponsor, Kuma Outdoor Gear. And thanks to the Carolina Hurricanes and Rod Brindamore for taking some time to chat with us here on the pod. Keep an eye on Ray and Dregs this week. Their uh, podcast set to drop on Friday. We'll have a real solid guest, Cole Caulfield of the Montreal Canadiens, set to join them. And then, as always, lots of content on the local front. Got your back, YEG, with myself, Jason Strudwick, and Rob Brown is the Oilers are getting themselves underway. Have yourselves a great Wednesday, folks. Look forward to chatting again real soon. Cheers. Cheers.